What did you just say, sorry? You just missed it. <laughs> God damn it. Now I'll recap. He's got an alcoholic's advent calendar <laughs> full of whiskeys. Yeah, yeah. I'm not and gonna then, drop I'm not gonna drop the company name because they don't they don't sponsor. Santa's gonna give us a call, so I'm gonna talk to Santa for a few minutes. Oh, really? About what? Uh he's just uh, he wants us to solve this case for him, so I'm getting Santa. Santa came to me the other day and asked us to solve this. So I'm solving it for Santa. That's why we're doing this. Is it, is it really Santa? Oh, yeah, dude. I pulled on his beard and everything. Yeah. What else did you pull on? Nice. His dick. His dick? Yeah. Cool. Did he say yes to that or did you just do it without consent? I would like you to talk to my lawyers. I'm only going to come do an interview in about six months time and I'll tell you all about it. <laughs> But until then, just actually talk to my lawyers. Why are there why are there signs of penile trauma on Santa? <laughs> he's, he's, he's no been, penetration, I promise. He's been strangled with strands of tinsel. <laughs> An elite team of private detectives. What if balloons are aliens? Maybe that's the key component we're missing. Cover-ups. John's guilty. Mysteries that need to be solved. Maybe Mormons need mountains. Richard, shut up. Yes, we're doing Christmas episode. We're doing John Benet Ramsey. The reason I, probably the biggest unsolved mystery in the US, pretty crazy, happens around Christmas time. Uh, I know we did on Unethical. I don't give a fuck. That's where I met Rick. Woo! Rick already knows the answer to this. Yeah, well, I mean, I know the answer to everything. So you really set yourself <laughs> up there. <laughs> give him a question that's really hard, RJ. Um, what was the weather like outside today? <laughs> Normal. Are you kidding me? I have that on my smartwatch. <laughs> yeah, I passed that off. Do you guys know anything about John Bonet? Like, I know Rick does. RJ, I'm asking. I, I see you say that, but I really don't even remember. That's okay. You will. As she was a, a child who got murdered or disappeared or something. You've heard the name. She's at least yeah. permeated into that much more culture. I never liked, like, when I was a kid, I feel like I would see her picture on, like, magazines and shit. And oh, it seemed like yeah. all, all they would ever talk about is how, like, pretty she was. And that's so fucking gross and weird. <laughs> yeah, well, though, we're going to talk about how fucking gross and weird that is all around. And there's a lot more of that, for sure. Right. Great. To this day, the name John Bonet still turns heads. But it's heyday. It was probably the biggest case aside from like OJ Simpson, which was around the same time. People love this media, TV, magazines, newspapers, everything was running John Bonet stories all the time. People fucking loved it. National Enquirer, like that's probably what you saw on the magazine racks is all the old National Enquirers. And they, mm-hmm. yeah, they were on top. I think every week they had a new story about it for years. And it's, it's the reason is, is because it's a, great mystery it really is i've researched the shit out of this and i have no clue usually i have an idea by the end of it like i i make a decision this i really like i don't know i have no clue it could be any of them and it also it has all sorts of shit that's like good for a mystery like terrible crime dead white girl that usually good mystery you know what i mean for these usually that gets a good one uh dead mm-hmm. white beauty queen which is mm-hmm. like one step above know, that you you're going less and less towards what could have happened in my mind. I'm like, oh, okay, like this is okay, good. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's like easier to solve when you start adding in all this. I will add know. way more. It's like it's like an always sunny up. It's like you just as you get to the end, you just know what's gonna happen. <laughs> I hope I hope you're right. I hope you can figure it out because I fucking can't. There's it's, she's also a little kid too. She's six years old, so that helps make it a crazy media sensation. And I know like dead kids is not cool, but like. When it comes to a mystery, it's good. Well, I mean, it depends on like who you ask, though, too. Like a parent of a child has been murdered. Probably not. Someone who <laughs> likes to murder children. Pretty cool. For a mystery? No, just, just make- in general. I thought you meant like dead. You said dead kids aren't cool. And I'm just saying that's probably subjective, depending <laughs> on your demographic. I, that's your true. Thing. It's kind of cold to like, you know, call these poor dead kids. that They're not cool. They's they probably thought they were cool, you know? I don't mean to the touch. Oh, uh, that's a good point. Yeah, are you saying that all kids are only got killed because they're losers? Because that's... that's <laughs> well, that's that. not... Yeah, yeah. I would, let's not take that stance. Yeah, I hope yeah. I didn't. No, I didn't take that stance. No, I wasn't thinking that when I wrote that. Fucking nerds. Before I get into the timeline of this, let's do a little 
mini biography of these people because is it a mini biography of John Benet Ramsey because it's such a short amount of time to yeah it's only six years span. you gotta deal with <laughs> it's, it's mini by by nature <laughs> yeah John Benet Patricia Ramsey was born August 6 1990 in Atlanta Georgia the name John Benet is like an amalgamation of her dad's first and middle names John Bennett yeah so I'm seeing that that is the weirdest fucking thing i've ever seen yeah it's it's so dumb especially since he has three kids from his, his marriage before one of them's also named john so you like took the oldest boy and a girl named them after you are you gonna name your daughter richard louis yeah <laughs> i was having I another like kid <laughs> richard less the chalet the chalet <laughs> less is my middle name less is your middle name oh yeah That's oh my dad's shit name, right Nice. Richard Liss. <laughs> this is my daughter, Dickless. <laughs> when, <I was>, <laughs> when I was younger, kids were really smart. My my whole name's Richard Leslie Michael Stoodle. I've been called Dickless Mike for a while. Oh, shit. Damn. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I'll use that. Damn. Did those kids get murdered? Because that was uncool of them. Uh, you know what? Kids are kids. I'm sure I thought of meaner things at some point. <laughs> shooting the school <laughs> you just didn't, you just couldn't say any of them because you were dickless exactly okay so she gets a little i just find that super cocky of john ramsey to put his daughter's name as his name too like it's so weird yeah because john bennett isn't a cool name at all like john benet it's john bennett bennett isn't cool to begin with you're right and then john benet's just like we get it you're rich you yeah, know what i mean like trying to make a rich name fucking dumb yeah agreed like I said, her mom only got the middle name, Patricia, which you already got a namesake. Why not give us Patricia Jr.? I'd like to see the juniors on girls. We don't get right. that ever, right? Give Patricia Jr. a chance. Why John Bonet? Right. Yeah, that would have been cool. You want to hear what's really cool, though? At home, they didn't call John Bonet by her name. She had a little nickname around the house. It was Johnny B. Get over here, Johnny B. Oh. <laughs> Gross. Yeah. Her mother, uh, Patricia, went by Patsy. So if I'm saying Patsy through this, I just talked about her mom. John Bennett Ramsey was born in Lincoln, Nebraska, December 7th, 1943. John Ramsey joined the Navy after college. And after his stint in the Navy, he got his master's in marketing. He was married between 1966 to 1978 to a named, uh, lady named Lucinda Posh. They got a divorce because John was cheating on her. A lot of the things that I read and listened to on this, John made it sound like she seduced him. You know, I couldn't help myself. She seduced me. She was a secretary. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I'm sorry. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> Anyways, I just thought that was funny. That was, a lot of people had to make that just like, okay. Uh, John and Lucinda, or Lucy, had three kids. John Andrew, Elizabeth, and Melinda. Patsy Lausch was born in Parkersburg, West Virginia on December 29th, 1956. She went to college for journalism and graduated from West Virginia University in 1978. Her family was right into these beauty pageants. Like both her and her sister were Miss West Virginia in different years. At 23, Patsy became a Ramsey when she married John. Only after knowing each other for about a year, John was 36. So he was quite a bit older than her. I was on November 5th, 1980. Patsy and John had two more kids, Burke, who was born in 1987, and John Bonet, who was born in 1990. Burke was kind of like the quiet kid, not like creepy quiet, just like not the showman that John Bonet was. They had a favorite, you know? I just think they had a favorite. Was it John Bonet or Burke? Every parent has a favorite. I think he was not the favorite. Who's yours? In my family? Yeah. My brother's the favorite. No. Oh, that's not what I meant. Between me and my brother, it's my brother for sure. Nice. Yeah, he knows it too. I think Rick was asking who's your favorite child. Out of my kids? Yeah. yeah. It's yet to be determined. We, they, once they're older, we can all figure it out. Like oh, the papers. You it's know, a cop out, out, but it's a good one. Yeah. It's a good no, one. Though. It's just a fucking cop out. <laughs> well, it's a, I'm an investigator. I don't make any hot, rash decisions. I can make a decision today. And the other one, like, kill the other one. I'm supposed to be like, mm. well, you know. You tease until like you're on your deathbed that you're going to announce who, who the favorite is. And then as soon as you die, it just unfolds this like decades long scavenger hunt <laughs> slash mystery for the real truth of the answer. Like national treasure type. Season five of private dicks. 
It's yeah. going to be uh, very, very, very long. Anyways, I just don't think she's favored. She was right into the beauty pageants, the John Bonet, even from like even younger age than six. Like they would get her $100 an hour dance and training lessons for beauty. Like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> you know I mean, like it's super weird. But she traveled all over the world, basically, you know, doing these little child pageants. Like in Italy, she was in New York City, Charlevoix, Michigan, where they had a summer home, the Ramses. Yeah, she won a lot of uh, beauty queen beauty awards, little girl beauty awards, which are fucking creepy. Like this, all this kid pageant shit is like, what the fuck is going on? It is so creepy. Oh, and they still do it to this day. Yeah, it's it's designed and operated by aging women who want to live through their daughters, and it solely benefits weird pedophiles. Yeah, it's it's agreed. It's like I don't even know. I I like. Why would you do that to your kid? Look, but she won a bunch of these competitions. She won like she was Little Miss 1996's Little Miss Colorado. She was Little Miss Charlevoix. She was crowned America's Little Royale Miss, which all sounds super like molestery. Like all mm-hmm. of those names sound super molestery. Yeah, they sound like code names on like some like dark web internet board. <laughs> yeah, totally does. You know, the onion router to fucking even get to it. <laughs> Oh, God. Ugh. Yeah, so when she won Little Miss Colorado, they gave her a float in the Colorado Parade of Lights on December 6th, 1996. I don't know. Her mom was a beauty queen. Like I said, West Virginia. She competed for Miss USA. So her aunt. I could see how her mom would have enjoyed it. You know what I mean? Like, that would have been a fun thing for her. So, like, I don't really see so you're saying it's designed by, like, these girls are just giving them something they thought I think is fun. It's just super creepy because... Also, there's pedophiles who stand in the back. You know what I mean? Like, and they're six. Like, but that that's that's the issue. With, like, I would I'm fine with that. Like, because like, even like cheerleading like gets a little like eh with like some of like the you know the makeup and like the dancing they do. But like, I give that a pass because like whether it's like dance or cheerleading or whatever, like some of those kids are genuinely having fun doing it. And maybe the girls in the beauty competitions are having fun, but it's for completely the wrong reasons. And their minds are being absolutely warped about body image and societal expectations of women. It's so fucking toxic. And I don't think there's any way to take it like back for them. You know what I mean? Oh, no, that's that's a ship that sailed. That is the stereotype yeah. getting perpetuated on a fucking stick. Because like, who's the most beautiful child competition? <laughs> that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, there's no inherent value in that. Yeah. That's so fucked up. Like, yeah. Oh, no. here's your trophy. You're the prettiest little girl <laughs> in the state of Colorado. Oh God. Certainly that won't fuck you up or any of the girls in this competition with you forever. <laughs> I was little Miss Colorado when I was six. Shut up and clean the toilets. <laughs> yeah. It, like Jesus Christ. Oh, um. Yeah, no, it's fucked. But yeah, you know, you know, Patsy says Patsy realizes because people criticize her a lot, like we're doing for like even just putting your kids in that because you're like basically putting a fucking X on your kids back for pedophiles. Like, here, look at how pretty this one is. You like that one? She'll parade out for a while for you. You Just got to get her out back when we're not paying attention. Like, it's fucked. And even if somehow like pedophiles like didn't exist or like you could somehow like make it so that like that was never a concern, it's still fucked up. It's still like abusive. It's the worst. Like. Patsy understood this because she got a lot of criticism. So she told everyone later on in life that like, no, John Binet got into the pageants, not because of me. Okay. Uh, she was looking at the newspaper at home and she saw an advertisement for child beauty pageants. She said, I must be a part of these. Get the fuck out of here, Patsy. You obviously put her in it. She's not reading the newspaper, you moron. Yeah, she died when she was six. Yeah, so exactly. like what history of reading did she have prior to that? None. Because I distinctly remember being six and frustrated with my own reading abilities, not being up to snuff. I wasn't finding articles in the paper like, mother, I could be the most beautiful boy in all of New York State. (laughs) Please place me in this contest. Man, I fucking wish I wish that you were like that, though. Because it would be so great to have right now. You didn't have my disposal. Just did it you are now the be- most yeah. beautiful boy yeah. in new york state retroactively i mean i still entered the competitions and crush all those little <laughs> bastards nobody's none of those kids are as hot as me man uh 
Anyways. <laughs> it's just a anyway. beauty pageant thing. It's like, anyways, I know it's creepy. And it's, you yeah. did obviously put her in it. Anyways, Patsy, moving on. John's business grew and grew until 1991 when Lockheed Martin bought his computer services company called Access Graphics. Uh, Lockheed actually kept John on and made him president and CEO. John and Patsy had like built that company from the ground up, and now it was a $1 billion a year in sales business. This is when the couple moved from Atlanta to Boulder, as Access Graphics was based in Boulder. Before this, John had just traveled from Atlanta to Boulder for months at a time. John and Patsy Ramsey, and I'm just going to talk about it a little bit. They were millionaires, self-made millionaires, lots of money. They're rich, about to become wealthy. Their house was in Boulder. It was located on 755 15th Street. It was a huge five-bedroom, eight-bath, three-floor house of 7,240 square feet. Basement was huge. The, the, that doesn't add into the square footage. The basement was gigantic, bunch of rooms. Actually kind of confusing to be down there if you didn't live there or visit there often. So it was such a fancy house that it was listed in a home tour for Boulder. So people would go to Boulder, I guess, and sign up for these tours to look at the crazy houses in that. And there were 1,500 people a year would come visit the house just to take a look at it. The Ramses bought it for a half million in 1991 money. In March of this year, the former Ramsey house went up for sale at just under $7 million. So fucking house. Nice, very nice house. Uh, they owned a boat. John had a pilot's license. He owned two private jets. He flew them a lot. He stopped flying later in life because his eyes, but he flew them all the time. Wait, what was wrong with his eyes? Uh, probably something like yours. I'm sorry. They were beautiful to gaze into, according to three judges at Syracuse <laughs> Hottest Little Man 2007. You're Is that what you're right. trying to say? Yeah, that's a, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have. I just, I felt jealous. It was all jealousy, man. I'm sorry. For shame, Richard. I'll move on. Uh, life's going well for them. Very well. Until Patsy was diagnosed with stage four ovarian cancer in 1993. Um, she wasn't supposed to survive. She told she was had so much time to live. But after some treatments, by 1995, she was considered a cancer-free. She beat the cancer. Um, so in 1996... John Ramsey is named Entrepreneur of the Year by the Boulder Chamber of Commerce. Uh, 96 was a great year for them uh, until Christmas, I guess. Timeline time, I guess. Some of this timeline information came in hindsight, but it belongs in the timeline. Like they didn't really know all this in a row like this. I'm just putting it in order. Um, so the first bit of info that belongs on the timeline happens on December 21st, 1996. Uh, like I said earlier, John and Access Graphics had won an award from the Boulder Chamber of Commerce for Entrepreneur of the Year. He got a whole spread in the Daily Camera, which was the newspaper in Boulder. So everyone now knew how rich he actually was. He was living up there. I, they, everyone assumed he was rich, but they didn't know he had a billion-dollar company. They printed that Access Graphics and just passed the billion-dollar sales mark. Uh, later in life, John says that he regrets letting the paper print about his business because that's why the probably the reason he, was, he and his family were targeted in the first place. They didn't print this, but as for John's really good successful year he received a hundred and eighteen thousand dollar bonus from lockheed martin for christmas a hundred and ten thousand dollar but hundred and eighteen thousand dollar bonus man oh man i wish on december 23rd 1996 there was a 911 call made from the ramsey house when the operator picked up it was silent from the ramsey end emergency personnel tried to call back but no one picked up so they sent police to go check on the house and there was one of patsy's famous parties happening inside the Ramsey mansion. When police knock on the door to check it out, a friend of the Ramseys, Susan Stein, answers the door. Stein wouldn't let the police in, but explained the call was made by an older guest looking to order medication and didn't need to call the emergency line. There were 30 people at this party, including Bill McReynolds, who played Santa Claus. And we're going to talk a little bit about Bill later. This is our Christmas special. I usually dress up like Santa. I'm not dressing up like Santa because Bill McReynolds. So we'll talk about him in a bit. Oh, wonder what he did. <laughs> Nothing ever came of that 911 call. It's just some weird information for you guys to add for theories. Then we moved to Christmas Day, 1996. John Bonet, amongst other things, gets a bike as a present for Christmas. Burke did not. I only say this because it comes up a little bit later. 
Uh, around 5 or 6 p.m., the Ramses go to a Christmas party hosted by their friends Fleet and Priscilla White. Fleet is another terrible name. It's like John Bonet. They leave the party around 8 p.m. and stop at various friends' houses dropping off Christmas gifts. They get home around 9, 30, 10 o'clock. When the family gets home, John Bonet and Burke are put to bed. Everyone had to go to bed early because they were off to Michigan in the morning to spend some time with John's adult children, Melinda and John Andrew. There is a bit of theorizing that John Bonet and Burke snuck back down to the kitchen after bedtime for a snack that night, and they both end up fighting over some pineapple. Either way, they've been sleeping, they had a long day ahead of them. That night, a neighbor claims to see some lights on inside the Ramsey home all night long, which is odd for the Ramseys because this didn't typically happen, but the neighbor thought nothing of it. Another neighbor said that they heard screaming coming from the house. When she heard the screaming, she woke up her husband. Her husband's screaming was already done. Her husband and her just don't call anyone. They're just whatever. Uh, the neighbor actually changes her story about the screaming. She says, it could have been two days before. I don't remember what day. So, like, that kind of gets thrown out. But, I mean, the day of, she said she heard screaming the day before or whatever. A couple days later. So, I don't know. Maybe just changing it because you don't feel like being a part of this media shit storm anymore. That could be part of the two. December 26th. So, they all go to bed. December 26th, 1996 at 5.30 a.m. Patsy wakes up to get ready for their busy day. She says she puts on her outfit from the night before and does her makeup before going downstairs to make some coffee. Why in the fuck would she put on the outfit from the night before? These guys are rich people. She had designer, like a closet full of designer clothes. She wore whatever she wanted the night before clothing. She notices three pages of handwritten notes on the back stairs leading down to the kitchen. This ends up being a ransom note. So here is the note, if you guys are ready. So I just want to say I always yeah. wear night before clothing when i'm like going down to do something if i haven't showered yet so like if i go to take my dog out in the morning i'm definitely wearing what i wore the day before like okay say if you went to like your company christmas party i know you don't have to leave the room for that it's just a zoom thing but if you have to get up and go somewhere you're gonna wear fancier clothes because you're going to a party and then you're gonna come home and the next morning after the party you're gonna get back in your fancy clothes and go walk around and fucking do shit before you i shower. wouldn't wear i don't wear fancy clothes anywhere so that is where you're wrong i would wear something like this and yes i would put this same thing back on okay let's pretend you someone who would wear fancy clothes do you think a person who here's how cool rick is though like if he did just have a zoom only christmas party he would only wear the fancy pants and not the top instead of <laughs> the opposite yeah right you're like what you would think he'd be like haha then i just have to basically stand like this yeah 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 yeah. you only see you from the waist down yeah. like these like perfectly crisp black slacks <laughs> nice pants rick thanks yeah. merry christmas rick thanks is that your happy trail <laughs> <laughs> all right so here's the note that was left mr ramsey listen carefully by the way this is two and a half pages long just so you understand. Mr. Ramsey, listen carefully. We are a group of individuals that represent a small foreign faction. We respect your business, but not the country it serves. At this time, we have your daughter in our possession. She is safe and unharmed, and if you want her to see 1997, you must follow her instructions to the letter. You will withdraw $118,000 from your account. 100000 of those will be in $100 bills, and the remaining 18000 will be in $20 bills. Make sure that you bring an adequate size attaché to the bank. When you get home, you will put the money in a brown paper bag. I will call you between 8 and 10 a.m. tomorrow to instruct you on delivery. The delivery will be exhausting, so I advise you to be rested. If we monitor you getting the money early, we might call you early to arrange an earlier delivery of the money, and hence an earlier pickup of your daughter. Any deviation of my instructions will result in immediate execution of your daughter, you will also be denied her remains for proper burial. The two gentlemen watching over your daughter do not particularly like you, so I advise you not provoke them. Speaking to anyone about your situation, such as police or FBI, will result in your daughter being beheaded. If we catch you talking to a stray dog, she dies. If you alert bank authority, she dies. If the money is anyway marked or tampered with, she dies. You can try to deceive us, but be warned, we are familiar with law enforcement countermeasures and tactics. You stand a 99% chance of killing your daughter if you try to outsmart us. Follow our instruction, and you stand a 100% chance of getting her back. You and your family are under constant scrutiny. 
as well as the authorities. Don't try to grow a brain, John. You're not the only fat cat around, so don't think that killing will be difficult. Don't underestimate us, John. Use that good southern common sense of yours. It's up to you now, John. Victory! S-B-T-C. There you go. <laughs> okay, so, question. Is my brain just fucked from, like, 2020's <laughs> level inflation? Or is $118,000 not a lot of money to behead a six-year-old over? No, it's not. It, it really is not. That's why it's so weird. Like, there's... That's First so of- specific, too. It's like... It's literally what he just got as a bonus from work. Like the exact same amount of money, $118,000. That's dumb. Like why? Because like why would anybody ask for that? They're like, damn, I just lost my job and the mortgage is due. I bet if I threaten to cut a little girl's head off, I can get the whole (laughs) amount for the house. I don't know. That sounds like a ransom note that like he would write if he wanted to write a book about himself. (laughs) <laughs> he was like yeah. he's like he's like get this get this get this don't even look at a stray dog <sighs> yeah i'll i'll tell you right now i say it a little bit later but we'll just talk about it now the the ransom note is actually about five or six different movie ransom notes mashed into one like a memory of all these like 1990s ransom movies and like it's clearly like just a rip off of those things yeah, it sounds terrible. It's like he was trying to like you're right, Rick. It's like he was fanficking himself into like Jack Reacher novel. Yeah. Whoever's doing this is making this like a, a movie. It's not real life anymore. Yeah, no, he wrote that letter. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The dad wrote that letter. 100%. We'll, we'll see. We'll, we're almost there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, all right. Maybe I mean, maybe that's... like I'm not against it. I'm just saying like maybe not. I don't know anything about this whole yeah. ordeal that but that is immediately what I'm struck with. I'm like, "Oh, that's an idiot egomaniac writing about himself. And let's say, like, yeah, exactly. Let's say it wasn't even supposed to be this weird, like, fanfic thing. But what got me is the fact that it says, you will do this, you will do this. It's almost like he's writing a letter that he's like, okay, if I was getting a ransom letter, what would I expect? All right, you will pay this much. You will do this. You will do this. Instead of saying, like, we want it to be this denomination. Or we want it to be this, this amount. Like it's so weird to say it will be in the context, even in the context of a demand, is very weird. Especially to use a phrase twice. Yeah. yeah. Uh okay. Well, what about the the victory? Like just the word victory or like SBTC at the end. Is there any thoughts on that shit? I have no idea. Suck balls, troglodyte. <laughs> Almost got all the letters. <laughs> what was it? SBTC. Troglodyte SBCC. child. Troglodyte cocksucker. <laughs> uh, well, you said SBTC? Yeah. I, don't, I can't think of a C. That's the problem. You'll see. There's one theory that has what the SBTC stands for, and you're going to laugh so hard. <laughs> Soggy bag teaming with cabbage. Oh, how did you know? Quit looking it up, man. Something about taking children. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I could. Satan's bastards taking children. That would be weird. What? uh, Maybe I'm conflating them with the Hell's Angel. Don't they like break in and save children? I don't know what Satan's bastard is. I just like kind of made that up. Isn't 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 that a motorcycle game? Hell's Angels are a motorcycle thing. I know. Aren't they both though? Maybe not. Oh, I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's from a TV show or something. I don't know. Super beautiful terry cloth. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad I asked. I did this to myself. (laughs) The notes also says don't call the police or the FBI or anyone like that. They literally just instantly call 911. Patsy claims she only read the first couple sentences of the note before like running up to John Bonet's room to see she if she was there. And then when she saw she wasn't there, she immediately calls 911. <gasps> Send Bitcoin. <laughs> they, <laughs> I actually really like that one. That's why that's why the the payment details were so specific. They mm-hmm. wanted him to pick up on just send the Bitcoin. Just yeah, that, yeah. Bitcoin. that's six Bitcoin. You're a computer guy right there, uh, John Bennett. Invent something called blockchain, pal, and then get it over here. Patsy actually changes her story about the sequence of events of 
the note or the, the ransom note. She claims to which she went to see her daughter first before seeing the ransom note. Then she calls 911. Bullshit. I, I just think she lied on that one because the note literally says don't call 911 and she called 911 and then her kid ends up dead. So she doesn't want to be blamed for it. <laughs> She's like, mm-hmm. no, I read and I, I read it quick. I just didn't see. Either way, it doesn't really matter. Um, here's the 911 call if you guys are interested. Sure. It takes place at 5.52 a.m. on December 26th talk about that and so you see that last little part could you understand any of that no but but get it from the top again just for like okay cut it there all right i got it static before the call we solved it guys all right that's the end of the episode we figured it out yeah what does uh, that mean thanks for coming out guys no no let's solve it now S- sbtc you don't you know, static before the call? Oh, oh, oh. gotcha. Yeah, we gotcha. solved it. This was this was a good one, Richard. <laughs> uh, I thought you were saying like she escaped through the telephone lines or something. That's what no, the static no, no, was. no. Static before the call. That, that one fits the best. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so that oh, fuck myself. I guess we're still going. Yes, we're still going. Maybe the, maybe we'll have a different solve if you see this. If you hear yeah. this. Right. So yeah, that's the call. Uh, that little part at the end, they say is enhanced, and they can hear different things. We'll talk about that a little later. I can't hear fuck all. I've listened to it a hundred times. I can't hear anything. I don't see the big deal with it. But anyways, police officer Rick French is on scene just before six a.m. French does a search of the Ramsey home, and it's just a cursory search because he doesn't find it. Like he's just looking for an escape route for a kidnapper. He's not like digging through each room. He's kind of like, where did this guy go? Is he still in the house? Let's go quickly look. He was also outside looking for like paths in the snow for someone to come sneak up to the house because it had just snowed the day before. And people, we would have had footsteps. The only place you wouldn't have had footsteps was like on the driveway getting up to the house. While searching the basement, Officer French actually walks right up to the door where John Bonet is later found behind. Uh, he doesn't go into that one because it's locked from the outside with like a little turn lock. Like it's not really a lock, it's like a piece of wood that you turn sideways and it just holds the door closed kind of thing. So you couldn't have escaped through that door because you would have had to lock, turn that little wood thing again. So he said, fuck it, I'm not going in that room. Because the ransom note said that they'd call between 8 and 10 a.m. the next day, Detective Linda Art made sure to be there for the call. She arrives on scene at 8, 11 a.m. along with officers Carl Veach, Barry Weiss, and Sergeant Paul Reichenbach. They also call the FBI because kidnappings and small foreign factions fall under their jurisdiction. The FBI wires up the phone lines and waits for the kidnappers to call. The note is unclear as to which tomorrow they meant because the murder was like the night before. Was it on like, did the girl die on the 26th or did she die? Like, did he mean like the 27th is tomorrow or like just right now tomorrow? So after 10 o'clock passed, 
I guess a lot of people must have assumed, oh, they met the twenty like tomorrow at eight a.m. Officers on scene did find it weird though that no one reacted when the ten o'clock passed. Like just everyone went, oh, okay. Uh, cops do a terrible job with this. Let's just talk about that for a bit. Uh, they don't lock down the house as a crime scene at all, even with a kidnapping. They only lock down John Bonet's bedroom because she figured she was kidnapped from there. Everywhere else in the house, whatever. Like I get them sitting around waiting for the phone call, but when the phone call doesn't happen, they should just be like, "This is a fucking." police crime scene shut her down boys get out of here instead the cops that treat the house as if the girl is just hiding somewhere or something even though there's clearly like a ransom note why would someone just make up a fake ransom note i would make it like a kidnapping so they let four of patsy's friends and their pastor come over to console her previous evening's party host and good friends of the ramses fleet and priscilla white came to console their friends and another two guests that came to console their friends were another couple they're friendly with the fermies fleet went looking around the house basement was confusing like i said had many rooms you couldn't you, you could easily get lost in that basement honestly the room that officer french didn't check was an old dusty empty room behind a boiler past like three doors already with no exit into it uh i don't blame like i said i don't blame officer french for not looking in there fleet white actually went and looked into the room that the officer french didn't enter and it was pitch black so he actually opened up the door and he couldn't find the light switch and he didn't see anything it was pitch black he said okay nothing's in here close the door turn around the cops also to the scene, like sent over two members of the victim's advocacy. Those guys were there to like console, I guess, Patsy and John. But while everyone's like waiting around for the phone call, that doesn't happen. There's cops taking pictures and stuff. And they're like behind them cleaning up, like tidying the place up for them. So like they're just fucking up the crime scene, those victims advocacy guys. When the guests come, like the couples kind of split into guys, girls. They don't like stay together and talk with each other. Kind of like ends up being this weird separated situation in the house. Patsy stays in the living room. John goes into the kitchen. Police also noted that John and Patsy weren't consoling each other at all that day. They weren't like, oh, everything will be, they weren't even hugging each other, looking at each other, talking to each other. John leaves at some point to go get his mail after the phone call. The mail is delivered through the door slot of the house. So... It was just a lot of people in that house. The cops couldn't pay attention to everyone. They didn't lock it down. So, like, John just disappears for an hour. They have no clue where he went for that hour. It's like a million people run around that house between the police officers, FBI agents. House is pretty packed. After the call, uh, Art felt shorthanded. The Boulder Police Department is pretty sparse of officers around Christmas season. And she was waiting for backup to arrive so she could get out of there. Around 1 p.m., Detective Linda Art tells John and Fleet White to go do a top-to-bottom search of the house. She wanted them to find anything that might look out of place, maybe a clue or two. It's really just to keep them busy because they're driving them crazy. Or like she was just trying to get more people there to help answer questions, do whatever. Go look. Stop bugging me. So they go. Soon as Officer Arndt says that, John makes his way to the basement to search. And that's the first place he runs. Uh, he goes right to the room. The other two had searched and said there was nothing in there. John opens the door to the spare room, that room that they hid all their Christmas presents in there. was kind of empty now. Uh, the same door that I said, like Fleet and the other officers were looking in. John flicks on the light and finds John Bonet's body behind the door. Fleet was right behind him when he found the body. John starts screaming, like, oh my God, oh my God. Fleet goes and touches his foot. That's what the, one of the books says. He goes and touches his foot. And then he said, oh, she's cold. Like, she's dead. Like, why would you go? Maybe he's just trying to help. I don't know. It was weird. Then he runs upstairs looking to call 911, even though the police were already there. Fleet was actually pretty shook by the little dead girl, for sure. John Bonet had been strangled and her mouth was covered with duct tape. John takes the duct tape from John Bonet's mouth and unsuccessfully tries to untie her bound hands. Then John picks up the little lifeless body of a six-year-old girl and brings her upstairs, still screaming for an ambulance. So they're they're finding her in their own basement? Yes. Okay. I just wanted to make sure I understood that. In a room two people already searched. What the f- so john's running up the stairs with his daughter in hand detective art runs up to them and is like well put the body down right now buddy like you're ruining a crime scene you can't grab the body her body was just like put at the top of the stairs in like a hallway sounds like ruining the crime scene was kind of the point yeah i feel like that's part of maybe what's going on here the fbi sees the body and they go oh well you guys are in charge of the crime scene now because murder is not under our jurisdiction that's you guys kidnapping's us so the fbi says if you want, you can keep some of our men to help out for today, if you want it. Boulder Police says, no, thank you. So the FBI goes. At some point, Patsy sees the body in the hallway and comes and throws herself over the body, ruining more evidence. 
At one point, she yells to the heavens, Jesus, you raised Lazarus, rise my daughter. So she went wild over the baby. Mm. Rightly so, it's her mom. Uh, Art later moved her body into the living room because I guess in the hallway it was weird. Both books I read on this make sure that they mentioned that Art took the girl's body and put her right underneath the Christmas tree. All the evidence is tainted at this point. Cool. So do we know like how like this wasn't like a decaying corpse, right? Like no, freshly dead within 12 hours of finding it. <sighs> I'm sorry. How did this man not go down there? Uh, after he had just murdered her and then bring her back upstairs? There's a lot of questions to this entire thing that don't make any I sense. I don't have any questions. That was... Yeah. A... I'm, this is coming back to me now. The first time around, I think I treated this the exact same way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all the evidence is tainted by... Just the fact that cops didn't treat the entire house of crime scene ruined so much forensics. The only place roped off was John Bonet's room, like I said. The rest of the house, everyone's running through it. Pastor gathers everyone for a prayer at one point. Just to make forensic matters worse, John takes a blanket from that's standing on the side of like a chair and goes and covers the dead body, making her kind of like a little dead Christmas present under the tree. Cool. <laughs> I wrote, don't say this underneath that in the script. <laughs> <laughs> and I said it anyway. I love yeah. it. You Next don't time you should put it above. <laughs> it's literally across the page. I should show you how this thing, because I was like, I'll show you guys. Like, <laughs> Oops, I forgot I wrote that. I'm writing this joke just for myself. <laughs> you cover up like a little present under the tree. That's the last sentence on that page. <laughs> Don't say this. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. So there's all any fiber. They had a bunch of parties and shit. Any fibers that got under that blanket would have been on her now as well. Uh, little John Bonet. Detective Arntz really criticized in the public for letting this crime scene get out of hand like this later on. Detective Arntz ends up quitting the police force and suing the Boulder Police Department for ruining her reputation later on, which I don't even know if she won. I tried to look it up. I just didn't feel like spending that much time on it. I just know that she was devastated by the whole thing. The Boulder police do find some evidence in the house, though. Like I said, obviously everything that's found wasn't found instantaneously, but the evidence at the crime scene after lots of investigation, like this is the evidence that comes. So in the basement, there was a broken window and a spare room where John Bonet was found in that room. Uh, John said that he broke that window earlier in the fall when he locked himself out of the house and needed to break in. He always meant to get it fixed, but never did. There was a suitcase underneath the window. Uh, there's an unidentified boot print found on the suitcase. Unidentified doesn't mean that John didn't own that boot. It just means it, it, the, the room wasn't used a lot. It could have been like an old ass boot that was in there. Who knows? There's also some leaves and packing peanuts on the ground inside the room, which people are attributing to it being broken for a long time. Why would there be a bunch of leaves from outside down in a basement room unless it came from the window? And it's winter now, so that would have happened a while ago. The window had many unbroken and undisturbed cobwebs inside of the window well. The fact that they weren't broken by someone trying to squeeze in through this little window that's in a basement like it's a stereotypical what you think is a basement window like a little square up top of the room so those were all intact so they don't think anybody went in and out through that the ramses claim all the doors in the house aside from that i guess were locked john benet's body proved to be a lot of evidence on her as well this doesn't come out till the autopsy report comes to the public but she was found laying on a blanket on her back with her hands tied above her head her mouth was duct taped but her father took that off when he found her. She was garroted with a white cord and a broken paintbrush. So someone took like a stick and just twisted a rope around her neck. Terrible way to die, I would imagine. It also looks like she took a blunt object to the head because she had a gigantic skull fracture from the right eyebrow to the back of the head. The head wound would have happened first, then the strangulation would have been second. It's like a 45 to two hour difference in time by the brain swell evidence. The head wound would have been fatal. So the strangulation was probably a finisher off type thing. She had two pairs of abrasions on her skin, one on the right side of her face and one on her lower back. Depending on who you believe, these are unknown. These unknown abrasions are stun gun marks. And the stun gun marks are very contested because if these pairs of abrasions were stun gun marks, there would have been some burn marks, not just like two piercing kind of things on a skin. She didn't have burn marks. No indication of that. She peed her pants and her underwear and her PJs were soiled. All right. You don't need to make fun of her. 
<laughs> not making fun of her. It's relevant. There was a pee stain on the carpet on the floor just outside of the room where she was found. The pee stain kind of looks like whoever was being dragged into the room where she was found. Uh, there's unknown male DNA found under her fingernails. It's not blood. It's like touch DNA, like DNA you can get from anyone. Scratching across someone's face like that, like being in the dirt, you can get it that way, but it's under her fingernails. And there's also two sets of unknown DNA found in her inside of her panties mixed with two spots of John Benet's blood. None of the DNA has ever been identified. Later autopsy results would say that damage associated with sexual assault on John, John Benet's vagina, not penile penetration. So there wasn't penetration, but there was definitely damage down there. They did find wood shards consistent with the piece of paintbrush that was used to make the garrote in her vagina. John Benet's body was removed from the scene at about 1045 that evening to many media cameras already starting to flood outside of their house. Boulder police gets 30 officers on the case. They send DNA off to the CBI, the Colorado Bureau of Investigation. They don't end up staying in their house that night. They go to stay at the White's house. John Ramsey actually had to cancel their plans to Michigan. And when I say cancel their plans, I mean, tell your pilot of your private jet to stay home tonight. That's how rich this guy was. I honestly don't blame them. I don't know if I'd be able to stay in the same fucking house where even the same town where my daughter was just murdered. I think I'd try to be getting as far away as I could unless I had information to give police. One of the officers on scene overheard John trying to change his plans from Michigan to Atlanta during the day. But the officer said, I wouldn't leave the city right now. I would stay close by. Neither John nor Patsy had given an official statement to police at this time that day or, or the next they were interviewed like together on scene, but like nothing extensive, just like stuff to make decisions at the time. You know what I mean? Like, where would she go? Who would she see if she left? Stuff like that. What happened tonight? They would give a brief synopsis together, not separated. That's one of the major things that criticized too. Like they never get separated. They kept them. So maybe they just made up their own story. Yeah. So they never got, they, you figure they'd want to get interviewed and tell the police whatever they could as soon as they possibly could, uh, but they don't. They don't do it the next day either. What they do the next day, though, is they hire a lawyer named Mike Bynum and a bunch of private investigators on December 27th. Police had lots of questions that they wanted to ask, but the Ramsey team said that John and Patsy needed time to grieve. They'll give you an interview. Just give them a couple days. Cops were pissed. They had questions and no answers came for, for quite a bit now. On December 28th, the Ramseys had the Boulder Police Department to give voluntarily, I should say, give blood, hair and handwriting samples. No interview, though. They don't mind giving their fingerprints, but we're not talking today. The police actually threatened not to give them John Benet's body if they don't come in and give a statement. That's how John puts it anyway. Uh, the Boulder police said that the two things were unrelated. We didn't want to give John Benet's body because we wanted him to do further testing. Plus, we wanted to get you guys to do an interview. We can't give you the body until the case is closed. The case isn't closed until you come talk to us. Yeah, DA Alex Hunter is pissed about this because he's getting calls from John every day. So he makes forces them to like release the body. Well, I mean, it's unfair for them to not get the body back. I mean, he made it a body. He did that. They wouldn't even have a body if it weren't for him. So <laughs> that's his. Okay. Uh, same day they get the body back, they have like a little wake for her at their church in Boulder. Uh, Santa Bill Reynolds, McReynolds is there as well. The next day, the Ramseys pick up their lives and fly to their hometown of Atlanta to bury their daughter. On December 31st, the Ramsey family has a funeral for John Bonet in Marietta, Georgia. There were over 200 people in attendance to John Bonet's funeral. She is buried next to her older half sister, Elizabeth who had died in a tragic car accident in 1992. She was a 22-year-old flight attendant, and she and her boyfriend died after hitting a bread truck driving during a storm. Well, that's odd. you think a bread truck would be a pretty soft play thing to hit. Like... <laughs> yeah, for sure. Of all the trucks, you could have hit it like a cement yeah. truck. Witnesses say that John was inconsolable with his daughter, like the death of Beth. He, people say they hear him crying through walls and shit for months after just like, why didn't he protect his daughter kind of thing? 
Uh, he wasn't the same when Why John did Bonet he kill died. his daughter type of thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, he wasn't the same with John. Oh Bonet. God! How dare that bread truck take away my chance to murder my other daughter? <laughs> I'm gonna get it right the second time. <laughs> I'll laugh in the face of Fryhoffers. <laughs> when John Bonet died, he was like cool, calm. Uh, he, he tries for a tear in the interview I'm about to show you because on January first. 1997 before they talk to the police john and patsy give a new year's day interview to cnn they do it because fleet and priscilla white their friends go like um the public's turning on you man like we don't even understand why you're not talking to the police so how's the public supposed to understand why you're not talking to the police like go talk to the police or someone they say your lawyers are terrible they're giving you bad advice so john and patsy go you know what who cares what the police say if my friend Fleet White tells me I should talk to someone about this, I'm going to talk to someone about this. Hell yeah. And he does. So let's let's show you this gem of a fucking interview. After the time that the call was supposed to have been made to us, and uh, one of the detectives asked me and uh, my friend who was there to go through every inch of the house, see if there's anything that was unusual or abnormal, looked out of place. Uh, I think she was asking us to do that more to give us something to do to occupy our mind. And so we uh, started in the basement and uh, and we're just looking and and, uh, we have one one room in the basement that uh, When I open the, the door, there, there are no windows in the bay, in that room, and I turn the light on, and I... She was in the room, sir. I hope that uh, she was still okay, but I could tell that she probably wasn't. I screamed and carried her upstairs. I know Patsy and I... He's going for it. He couldn't do it, though. Eh? You can tell he's like, fuck, I'm going for the tears, guys. Yeah, fuck, I can't do it. Fuck that fucking ghoul. <laughs> Dude, like, I, have, I, I, I am reserving my judgment till the end of this. So that's wild. <laughs> it's like irresponsible to not jump to a conclusion. For sure. Here's another little clip of that interview I wanted to show you guys, too. Was it that weird edit in the middle of that one? It's because it's coming from two. I don't know why they can't find the whole interview in one chunk. Where I, I looked around for it, but it's a bunch of different places. Somebody took like from other documentaries that have pulled that clip hmm. and put it into the original clip back. Like it's fucking fucked. So here's another chunk um, that I kind of wanted to show you from the same interview. Here's her little girl, Patsy. Yes, I don't know if it's a he or a she. But if I were a resident of Boulder, dude, she's on so many painkillers right now. To keep your babies close to you. There's someone out there. The thing that I remember about her was that uh, if I would frown, she would look at me and say, Dad, I don't like that face. And I'd smile and she's like, that's better. It's just the way she was. Creepy fucking guy. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I just wanted to show it's, her. It's okay. Yeah. When he goes, it's okay. It's okay. Ugh. She went, she was like, watch this. You can't fucking squeeze a tear out, John. Fucking watch this. She went right for Did it. Did you see how fuck? No, dude. I don't think, I mean, like, I don't know that that lady at all, but I mean, like, it's literally her name, Patsy. Like, at best, she's just being willfully ignorant. I, I don't think she masterminded any of that. I do feel like she genuinely lost something. That guy, though, not even a little bit. Okay. I perceive this in a weird, different way, then. Needless to say, the cops were pissed. They haven't even gotten an interview from her yet. Uh, and she's on fucking CNN. And in the days prior, Boulder police had been telling everyone that there wasn't a murder on the loose in their community. Now she's going out there being like, hold your kids. Hold them tight. Like, Shut the fuck up. We don't want everyone to be scared. Plus, it's you fuckheads. I, we haven't talked to you yet. So on January 2nd, the Boulder police head down to Georgia to interview the Ramses. They send five detectives. Fly down there. 
The Ramsey's been telling the police that they didn't want to do an interview because they had to grieve. Boulder police were mostly pissed because they figured if the Ramseys can talk to CNN, they can talk to us. So they'd get their statements. So John's statement is basically this. Uh, we get home. I get the kids ready for bed, read them a book. And that was that last time I had seen them. Patsy's is basically the same story. Like they John read her bed. I went to bed, woke up in the morning. They're gone. Hmm. January 3rd, 1997, detectives make a public announcement. They tell the media that the ransom note had been written on a pad of paper from inside the house, which was true. The note had been written with a marker and a pad from inside the Ramsey home. Whoever wrote this to put the marker back where they found it, not all over the place, and the pad of paper back where they found it. So that was nice of them, too, cleaning up after themselves. So were there prints on that shit? or Yeah, they had all sorts of their prints at their house. So just just the family, though? Yeah. Case closed. Lock them all up except for the, the wife. She doesn't <laughs> even know where she is. Oh, guy could be wearing shit. gloves. Guy could be wearing gloves. Yeah. I don't. Why would you put it back? <laughs> I agree. This is, this is a lot of evidence that points towards the family at some point. If you're smart enough to wear gloves, you're smart enough to just be like, Ooh. for sure. And, and let's not ignore the fact that they found the. Did somebody break into their house and bring her body in there, or like? Oh, you'll see what their their explanation is. It's great. It's fantastic. Oh no. Yeah, Ramses go back to Boulder to whatever go back to their house clean some stuff up while the ramses are in boulder though police send some detectives to charlevoix michigan to search through the ramses summer home you know their second home you know home for summer you guys have one right you know what i'm talking about right rick summer home yeah yeah summer home yeah yeah, yeah i well i mean i'm doing that new thing where like you just convert your uh summer home into your fall home and your winter home and your spring home and you just you do well, I don't have that many just, homes. I think that's a bit fucking excessive. Relax. Well, I mean, it's it's very easy because what you do, uh, it's kind of this uh, new wave thing. You just don't go anywhere. You just ah. call your home. All season home. And so like right now, this is my winter home because it's about to be winter. Um, and then in the spring, it'll be my spring home, you know, et cetera. And I say that proudly to people. I just say like. Yeah, that's efficient. Yeah, we're, we're, we're wintering at the the mccarthy estate uh, yeah, okay the mccarthy until, estate until april of 2024 okay yeah so then uh on january 8th police revealed to the media that there had been a practice ransom note on another piece of paper from the same pad again from paper and marker located and put back exactly where they got from in the ramsey home hmm. just trying to let the public know that there have been developments in the case and also Loki tried to dismantle the, to the public that if there is, in fact, no murder running around in their streets. Later on in the investigation, when the FBI gets back involved, they say the note being written inside the house was very rare. Most ransom notes are written before the kidnapping at home and left where they leave. They take their captor from to write something at the scene would be rare but if it did happen it would be like a short note something like we have your daughter bring a million bucks to wherever and we'll contact you they did a test actually to see how long it would take to write this note and it would have taken 21 minutes to write it and the practice notes like imagine if there was an intruder in there in your house waiting for you to go to sleep writing this long ass note or like after the kill like you just fucking killed a little kid and you had to write for 21 minutes I just don't see it. It's got a bunch of movie lines in it. You know what I mean? Like, all right. So here's uh, Boulder Police Chief Tom Kobe talking a little bit about this. I think you're going to enjoy this clip as well. There's so much media to this, too. If anybody wants to go back and, like, go look up John Bonet shit, like, you could spend your entire year and a half just looking at YouTube videos from John Bonet thing. It's fucking crazy how much there is. To the community about the homicide. And he said they don't have to be afraid. We were not living in fear before this incident, and we cannot be forced to live in fear now. It is the best judgment of the Boulder Police Department that this is a one-time occurrence. The killing of Joan Bonet does not appear to be linked to any other similar event. What this means is that we do not believe we have a serial situation to deal with. Should the Boulder community be concerned and vigilant? Yes. Should we be living in fear? No. Can I guarantee that this will not occur again? No, I cannot. There have been many stories and much speculation about who killed John Bonet. 
This is an area that I know will be explored in greater detail in the questions to follow. Let me offer perspective on this issue. Prejudging and media hype have never solved a crime. Crime solving requires vigilant and careful police work, diligent and careful police work. That is exactly what the Boulder Police Department is committed to doing. It is a natural response to, to a tragedy like this for the community to want to know immediately who is responsible. It is often an effort to assure ourselves that such a tragedy will never happen to us. The reality of the situation is that often these types of investigations take time to solve. This man never thought he would ever have to do that in his entire life. Oh, There's no, no he's... fucking way. He was like, <laughs> like if he if he was even a half second slower, he would have sounded like the murder of John, <laughs> John. He was John in Boulder. Ben, ben he's he's in Boulder, Colorado, where there's like that. John Bonet's murder was the first murder of the year on January. Or he December. sounds like he is a fucking Boulder. That man <laughs> has no charisma, no intelligence, and he should be ashamed that he allowed himself to go on television and say those words into a camera for other people to hear and see. This police chief was, yeah, okay. He was more of like a hippie kind of. Uh, he was this was a retirement job for him. He was like he like I he said, did not know he was gonna be police chief at any point. Like they came in and they were like, Hey, um it, the other guy died. What do you think? And he was like uh um, I die? Probably not. Yeah. All right, I'm in. <laughs> oh okay. Uh what do you do? I don't know. All right. <laughs> uh I just I, I love that the media was pissing this guy this is what i took from that is that the media is so involved in this case that it's just driving him fucking bananas and he had to go on there and be like okay guys the police are doing a good job believe me when i say we're doing a good job don't listen to the media they never solved nothing then why are you talking you're the media right mm -hmm. now dude you know what i mean like what you're trying to do is like damage control and he's taking it to heart my god that no he he's he's a dumb dumb man <laughs> I don't. I think you are vastly overestimating how many thoughts are running through his brain at the same time, because <laughs> I think it was like the word he was on, and then half of the next word that came <laughs> it, and that's all he had going on. There okay. is just nothing, just smooth cerebral fucking matter. Okay, uh, I, I I'm not disagreeing with you because uh, Tom Kobe is. I'm not a I'm not a Tom Kobe apologist. I think he's the worst police chief ever. So by the end of February on the 27th, the police decide that they're going to interview John Bonet's half brother, John Andrew Ramsey. He had an alibi for the night in question, but police were trying to poke holes in it, like they do, but they never really did. He was cleared on March 7th. The results of the handwriting analysis come back. The results eliminate John as the writer of the note, but are inconclusive when it comes to Patsy. We'll talk more about that in a little bit, too. Now, the next day, the police head back to the Michigan summer home. You know, the home for summer. We got one of those. And uh, they try to find some unrehearsed writing of Patsy's. The handwriting sample that she wrote out, they're scared she was just changing up her handwriting. So they wanted to see something of better quality. Uh, about a week later, on March 13th, retired Colorado Springs detective Lou Smith comes out of retirement to join the DA investigative team working on the case. 63-year-old Lou Smith. Lou Smith is full of shit. We're going to talk about Lou Smith's how he's a piece of shit very soon. On April 3rd, a second round of DNA testing is done. Uh, the DNA had already been tested by the CBI, but they wanted outside lab to take a look now. So they sent it to a place called... Cellmark Laboratories in Maryland. On April 19th, 97, the Boulder DA Alex Hunter reveals that John and Patsy are the prime focus of the investigation, never formally calling them suspects to the media, just prime focuses. After a lot of back and forth with the DA and the Ramsey legal team on April 30th, 1997, the Ramseys agree to be questioned by the Boulder police. Three days before they agreed to actually doing their second interview, they put up a $100,000 reward for any information leading to the arrest of John Bonet's murder. It's three days before, so it's pretty good timing. 
John was questioned for two hours and Patsy for six and a half hours. Many things that John and Patsy had originally said during their interviews on January 3rd about the night of the murder had been changed or inconsistent. John had initially claimed that when they got home, he put the kids to bed and read them a book. The story changed to John Bonet was asleep in the car on the way home and he carried her up to her room and he put Burke to bed. Then he went to his room to read to himself for leisure. Patsy had a few inconsistencies as well. Originally, she claimed that she had read the first few sentences in the ransom note, then went to go back to check on John Bonet, that old thing. During this interview, she said that she checked on John Bonet first, and then she called 911. So she also claimed that she'd never read the note in its entirety, even though during the 911 call, she says it says victory and SBTC, both of which are at the end of the ransom note. Either way, these statements are considered their official statements beyond this point in 1997. Now, we're at a crossroad right now, guys. This is halfway through the script. We can do half now. We made a two-parter. Oh, yeah, I can't do another hour right now. I'm sorry. Okay, we'll end it there then. What's uh, what else is new, RJ? I didn't even talk to you. It just he came. You came in at the perfect time for me not to have a conversation with you because he was talking about his advent calendar. Please. Oh, that's all right. Um, I've I've had a tummy ache all day, but other than that, I'm chill. Poor guy. Have you tried some whiskey? <laughs> that actually made me feel like I was going to vomit a little bit when you said that. So good. It's the, the, the mere mention of the word whiskey. And the, the, Describing the corpse of a dead child all settled down here, baby. <laughs> whiskey. <laughs> oh! Yeah, it definitely got pretty quiet when I was talking about that. That was fucked up. That was fucked up. <laughs> there is. I didn't know about the shards of wood in her vagina I didn't yeah know i didn't that. know she was like provably sexually assaulted that's crazy yeah i like i feel like today this would have gone a little bit differently i want to believe that but also maybe not i don't know oh 100 you wouldn't be able to no i don't no, know how no, these no. motherfuckers slip through the cracks that's so crazy muddy just being rich Ugh, and being smart disgusting. like i have a theory at the end and i think that's how they got away with everything because okay. i think they i, I literally i think Whatever happened, they called the lawyer before they called anybody up, before they did anything. And they went, something bad happened. What do we do? And yeah. the lawyer's like, do all the things that a normal parent would do, plus this. And we'll only talk yes. about the things a normal parent would do. As I was listening to this, I was wondering, I was like, do you think that they were trying to do their own version of a murder mystery? Like using the specific price, using like writing the the note more than once. And they had her like right. She was like all about the showmanship and the who knows maybe some acting and and like she wanted to be the kidnap victim. Oh, you think she? You think she took it too far? Yeah. Like I don't know. Like accidentally strangled herself or something. Yeah, yeah. She she asphyxiated herself. Whoa, hold on. No one said she was masturbating, Richard. (laughs) Chill. I just want and then like. They tried to cover it up and basically everyone at the party was involved because they were like, fuck, not another one. I want you to save this for me, please. Yeah. Well, you're recording, so you could just (laughs) bit and splice it around. You know, two weeks, you're asking me to remember this exact theory. I don't know if that's going to happen. Well, he's recording. He can play it back to you. Yeah. Do you remember this theory? All right. Wait, hold on. I'll I'll make the end of your... Your first week episode. Okay. I wonder who it could be. (laughs) Who could it be? (laughs) I'm making that a soundbite now. Yeah, I like that. I just watched Private Dicks and I think RJ's the funniest. What? Come on. Thank you for calling Private Dicks Detective Agency. If you're calling to suggest a case for the dicks to solve, leave a message after the tone. Listen, budget is tight. Only Slavic laws this year. Remember to fight communism and make North Pole great again. By the way, no blush from Babushka until you solve Jan Bene Remy case. Nasadanya. Eh.